sons. I'm kidding. Well, well I, okay, I wouldn't go so far as to say sons, but they definitely have um, appeared on our show and used it as a launch pad. An incubator? <laughs> I think launch pad's a good word, yeah. Um, we, don't, we don't like to admit that it was sort of the, the genesis of our show, but it really was. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's our boys from the Mars on Live show. For those of you who haven't got to check it out, why don't you go ahead and tell them what your show's about and what they can expect over this next crossover show. You got it. So uh, for all of our Mars on Life listeners at the moment that are thinking, uh, what happened to Ryan and Sebastian? Uh, is this like one of those Jerry Duty things where they have to find people to step in and host for them? No, 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 no. Don't sweat it. Uh, this is a crossover episode with the legendary Pete D. Camarillo and Kenneth Frank James Barry. <laughs> A2 color to be your alternates. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that and move on. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, uh, well, I guess to kind of give our, uh, I don't know what to say, our other fellow travelers and listeners out there, we are a arts and entertainment podcast that covers a lot of what's going on in and around Southern California. Um, we do our absolute best to make sure that we cover how artists in and around Southern California are able to use some art form and use it to reflect society. And that could be to damn society or that could be to give praise to something in society. And, uh, yeah, we try and cover as much sure, news as we can. Spectrum. But go ahead. Everywhere, bro. We're every, we are the spectrum. Oh, you guys, you guys are right on the spectrum. You guys are podcasters and journalists. You're, hey, you're sir, right there. I'm you're a right student there. in school. I was not on the spectrum. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> it was the, it was the, it was the other, it was the other gifted child, uh, classroom. <laughs> <laughs> For real? There's only me and one female teacher in there. Wait. Oh, shit. Is that a repressed uh, memory? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get that checked out. <laughs> Bro, we already canceled seven minutes into this episode. <laughs> you were canceled when you walked in. Oh, sweaty feet, guys. <laughs> he killed me for, like, wanting some discount, nice-ass, over-the-top slippers that I saw at Nordstrom Rack. Because he said, oh, they're $300 retail. I'm like, yeah, but they're 75 in clearance. So I got off my back. He's like, don't wear those. Don't buy them. And he comes in on some fucking dad Crocs. Well, like giving the, I, I, I got um, to admit, I'm in a very long-lasting, very, uh, very positive relationship with my current girlfriend now. But I got to be honest, uh, the Crocs that I was gifted from, let's just say, an old flame, has stood the text has stood the test of time very well. That's uh, what I'm now it now it is a uh, now it's a chew toy for our new dog. But uh, oh. you know the the, <laughs> the, the memory's still there, um, and they and they hold up. So you know, I'm telling you, man. I've seen the light of Crocs. I was clowning on everyone for a long time. But you were the worst. How long I'm have you had to say those Crocs? Crocs here? Five days. Did you oh, you've only had it for five days? Yeah. Have you taken them off in the last five days? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That, that shows the fucking, like, ingenuity of Crocs. I've had mine for, like, a year and a half, and it hasn't fucking cracked once. Because it, it's made out of, like, plastic or something. Like a rubber plastic. I'm on, 
I think I took like a two day hiatus just to like let them air out, but yeah. And they've been <laughs> okay, consistently. Did you put baby powder on the bottom of them? I mean, are we getting into the intricacies of my sweat and BO now? No, just is like. That, is that a topic? Bro, you, get, oh, you don't need to, you don't need to vent them out. I was going to say, you don't need to vent them out. They're full of holes. They're fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 you're also not a 250 pound man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also noticing a couple smell a certain way. I'm also noticing a few disembodied voices that we got at the other end uh joining our excursion to Mars. Hey, 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 first off, um we'll intro our people. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Relax. <laughs> Just asking. No special intros. I mean he's licking his wounds from being a Bears fan, but you mentioned oh. dogs, so that is essentially that you know warms his heart. But man, shout out to you, Eric. What's up, man? <laughs> and then we also have Izzy with us. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, want this election over? Uh, yeah. Want to go I back to normal life? The last episode, you wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all our episodes have been, and, and granted, like <laughs> that's, all, that's all that we can talk about nowadays, you know, give or take. But it's like. In next week's episode, we might have a new president, kind of. Fair, yeah. No, and and I think that's why we've been so gung ho about like these episodes being like political. But when we were Ryan, when we were going over the schedule, it was like pre-election coverage, and then like post-election coverage, and then like another post-election coverage. It's like, dude, it's time to fucking bury the hatchet with this. Thing. Yeah, we've we've slimmed it back a little bit. Uh, just because we realized that uh, five episodes of coverage is overkill. And as Freddie Mercury once said, uh, the show must go on. So that's basically how we're going to kind of keep moving forward, even if we still don't know who the next president will be. So, But we've got an awesome panel joining us uh, for our election episodes, or at least for our very first one. We've got a great panel of people. Um, we've got Ryan Perkins joining us along with Janice Shirell and Stephen Elias, all three of them. Well, two of them are prior guests to the show. Uh, Ryan needs no introduction on Touchdowns and Tangents. She's a uh, sure. caller. In fact, she might be listening in right now. I did tell her that we were going to be on tonight. So, if his story uh, flames, Pete, like, just flames him to oblivion. I'm just going to see sure. her. In the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have my head are much funnier than yours, Kenny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's well, what actually, I, I, was, <laughs> I was gonna point out too, you know, with Kenny, that's just it. You know, being part of Touchdowns and Tangents, you know, I'd come on and be the political correspondent. Uh we've been so blessed to know that, you know, even hopefully, you know, obviously if everything turns out the way people think it should go. We're so thrilled to have Kenny on as our Oakland correspondent, given that Vice President Harris will be uh, the first uh, vice president from Oakland, California. So, however, we were thinking about uh, getting that aide of hers that wanted to make the uh, Masonic uh, Knights Templar police force with the Santa Clarita Valley Sheriff Station. But uh, unfortunately, he was unavailable. So (laughs) you got me. I'm not kidding. Knights Templar. Yeah. Yeah, that was a wild story. That was a deep cut, man. 
But yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm watching Waco right now, and he just fucking triggered something. <laughs> wow, you're gonna be spazzing out for the next hour. Come uh, to a drug trip. But yeah, so Ryan, as you mentioned, you've been on the show before, talking about the election at different touch points throughout the show, and and mm-hmm. Sebastian, you've come on to introduce the show. But I'm just curious, like now that we're here, you know, in November. What the cro- the first crossover show was in February, so pre pandemic, pre all this. Well, pre Mars on Life. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So now that we're here, like, how does it feel? Because at one point we didn't even think we were gonna get here. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't think we'd have a pandemic kind of uh, come and sort of you know stop all of our little gatherings of you know recording the show and then. Uh, editing it and making sure that it was out there for people to hear. Once the pandemic started, we talked a lot about, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to, you know, push forward? Obviously, we're going to have to do it remotely. And to boot, that was going to be our first episode featuring our first guest, Shawnee Badger. And, you know, we worked out a few things and we were able to work it out so that Shawnee could still join us, though it had to be through Skype. Um despite the fact that we should be using Discord, as I was uh, made very aware the other evening when we were doing the pre-record oh, uh, dude, for our collection episodes. We fought, <laughs> oh, we laid it into him. But go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, so that might change in the future. But, um, yeah, no, it, it's just, if anything, it's been about finding whatever topics that obviously relate to the pandemic or, on top of that, topics that relate to any kind of issue that we care about that, we feel needs to be covered and we just pursue it. And, you know, the same kind of has been applying with all of our guests. You know, we've called, texted, scheduled, rescheduled, and thus far it's worked out very well. I'm enthusiastic about how the show has been this year. I'm so looking forward to season two next year. Um, it's going to be a whole like right about now, we're not sure what season two is going to look like other than it's probably going to feel a little more back to basics after, you know, this maelstrom of an election. And so it'll be great to kind of get back to just kind of goofing around, but also, uh, you know, taking a serious look at serious issues uh, every once in a while. Can I just say this? Mm-hmm. You 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 were made for PR because. I don't know how you turned that question into about you, but you did it. <laughs> and I, it was like a five-minute answer. I was like, damn. Bro, I was, was like, going to give it to Sebastian, too. <laughs> bro, I cleared like 12 uh, thanks emails. For the, thanks for the totally clear transition to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I paused. What can I, I, know, I know, I know, I um, know. Uh, that was a great story about where you are with the show. But I was just, I was referring more to the election, sir. Oh, I mean, the election, you know, election coverage has it's not a stranger to us by any stretch of the imagination, because even in our earlier episodes, and this is like earlier, meaning February, March, April, where COVID was in full swing and the episodes did, of course, get political in nature while we still attempted to cover various artistic subjects. It was like, you know. We studied this in undergrad, and for lack of a better word, honestly, it was something that I desperately tried to get away from because (laughs) I was in political science and I fucking despised every second of it because I thought I was going to be some hotshot attorney. 
and realized it was all for vanity. So I switched my major in my senior year, pursued communications, and still graduated at four years. The thing is, though, that's not the reason why I left at least all of it. It was the fact that everyone in undergrad who's a political science major has thinks that they have the biggest dick on campus. And I didn't want to be a part of that community, so to speak. Um, so you just Ryan, made a podcast with Mancini. <laughs> well, that's the, well, that's the thing. Ryan's, Ryan's take in political journalism was the, I guess you could say the necessary evil that was going to be uh, placed into the podcast, which I didn't mind talking to Ryan, and I still don't. It's the fact that I would have to do this day by day with other people in class that is the problem that I had with, you know, having any kind of political opinion or political conversation. So uh, a talk with Ryan is very cathartic, whereas a talk with anyone on CSUN campus in Sierra Hall was just, dude, I, a bullet to the face is, is a lot more preferable. It's been great. You know, the the discussions that we've had and and we can only, I guess, hypothesize so much about what's going to happen. Um, don't think I haven't forget uh, Pete's dismay about Andrew Yang all those months back. But in actuality, <laughs> analyzing all of the candidates one by one as they've sort of fell from grace. And now we're left with. Yeah. And now now we're left with Biden and Trump. It's just like, man. This is reality TV to the max, and we can all, again, like I said, we can only like take so much from it until we're just sick and tired of it. And I think I'm sick and tired of it. Um, so is it like, oh, it's the finale that we all knew was coming, and now it's here, and we're not that surprised? Definitely. Or is it like Game of Thrones finale? Or is well, it, it like turned you know, out somewhat that. relieving, like, oh, you know, like maybe this is the outcome that. Uh, was always going to happen. I would say coincidentally, this finale is pretty much the advent of our first season. Uh, it's it's the conclusion to it, and I don't know if we should be grateful, but it is it is a good wrap up point because it mm -hmm. practically is the end of the year anyway. And yeah, I mean, am I stoked for November third? Sure. <laughs> I'm stoked for it to be over. So, with that, I mean, just kind of getting into the weeds of it. Have you been able to take anything from the past few arguments or otherwise known as debates? No. Yeah. I, I mean, other other than the fact I, I cap out, I cap out. <laughs> no, that's the tweet. That was an emphatic no. <laughs> I mean, other other oh, than the yeah. fact that you know. These are two of the worst candidates in American history, and the fact well, that this that is what we've ago. got to face in a pandemic. It's another round of the worst candidates. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, don't get me wrong. Biden's certainly more likable than Hillary ever was. But at the same time, it's kind of too late. Donald Trump's already president, and he's already fucked everything up. So and it's not like Biden's going to be, you know, making a lot of change. I mean, hell, Obama promised a lot of change. And then when all the progressives that were backing him said, all right, let's start fixing things, he basically told everybody, uh, go home. Uh, I'm president now. <laughs> uh, and I need you all to just go back home. Uh, but make sure you vote uh, in two years for your congressman. And then I'm going to need you in four years' time. 
And so he basically told everybody to How piss the fuck off. Is it so great? <laughs> Bro. Hey, I do voices. It's like what Robin Williams says in this is Doubtfire. I do voices. What can I say? No, I mean, yeah, the, the debates have been terrible. You know, the vice presidential debate only had a laugh because of the fucking fly. And I mean, outside of that, like, it, it's just depressing when you watch it. But at the end of the day, you just want it all to be over. And the fact that this is something that has gone on for so long and, you you know, you watch all these bad things happen, like, you know, you watch COVID happen, you watch Joe Biden slander Bernie on a debate stage, and then you watch Joe Biden just, you know, waffle his way through this remainder of the election. It's just kind of like, well, you know what? He's not Donald Trump. So, sure, let's vote for him. But at the same time, is it really going to be that much better after the fact? There's nothing left to gain out of these two candidates, um, and that's basically why, at least from now until Election Day, I'm probably just going to, like, drop talking about it altogether because, really, there's never any news between the last week of October and Election Day. So unless the FBI pulls another, you know, thing out of their ass like they did four years ago uh, with the whole Comey thing. So as somebody who, you know – passionate about their civil liberties and and you know follows politics so with such a passion like if you're at a point where it's like you're just ready to be done with it like what do you say to people who i'm not pointing any fingers but you know everybody knows them the people at the thanksgiving table who are like i vote not to vote what do you say to those people I did have sort of an impassioned exultation when I left uh, last night's episode um, because I, I I'm I'm of the belief that it's it's important to take matters into one's own hands when one happens to vote and I kind of laid it all out when people say to vote for their hearts and social media says vote for your vote with your hearts but it often means something else and what that something else means is to vote blue now when you tell people to go vote people are not always going to agree with your opinion and that's just you know that's just me knocking on my neighbor's door and saying hey are you a democrat when i damn know that they're a republican okay <laughs> there's people who are going to think different than you where i come from personally is a sense of well Politics didn't affect my work. The pandemic didn't affect my work. I still fucking go to work, unfortunately. Um, you'd think that with the pandemic and Los Angeles together, it, it wouldn't be a good match. But, eh, you know, um, but my work, quote unquote, is publishing. It's video production. It's it's music production. It's a lot of multimedia stuff. So I'm not how you say out and about and at risk. Also, my work doesn't revolve anything politically unless it's deeply satirical, in which case I'm poking fun at it anyway. You know, when when people kind of point the finger at other people for being apolitical, I don't think that they're apolitical at the expense of other people. I think that they're apolitical for the sense that they are genuinely not interested in what it has to offer to the general population, because what it has offered for the past four years is nothing but dog shit. You know, what am I supposed to what am I supposed to think when I wake up the next morning that the 2020 election, whoever's elected, whether it be Joe Biden or uh, Trump still, that everything's going to be fixed and, you know, Thanos snap of a finger? No, I don't. And a lot of people 
put a lot of faith in their in their candidates. And that's dangerous. It really is, because it, it really sets the expectations so high. And when these policies aren't achieved, that's a problem. At least that's a problem to them. Um, my advice, and I've done this with relationships in the past, so make of this what you will. Uh, you set the bar as low as possible. You'll never be surprised. So, <laughs> no bar whatsoever. No and, bar. No bar. And, <laughs> and and to add to that, you know, ultimately, at least, and this is something that I, I've kind of taken for myself is, you know, taking the comfort in like-minded people as myself that have basically pointed out the fact that look, we basically have a this time around we have an actual gun pointed to our heads now that we have, you know. We have coronavirus. And so the idea is, obviously, if you vote Joe, oh, he's going to have all these people that know what they're doing. Whereas if we keep Trump, it's just going to be four more years of, oh, nobody likes me. Why doesn't anyone like me? Oh, nobody likes me. Oh, Fauci. More people like Fauci. But why don't they like me? We, it's always COVID, COVID, COVID. And it's like, dude. Do your fucking job. You know, quit waffling around like a fucking idiot. And the problem is, is that he is a fucking idiot. He's probably one of the worst presidents we've ever had next to, like, the guy who gave Lincoln a civil war. So there's some level of reassurance, at least a tiny bit, that were Biden to win, you would at least leftists like myself could feel confident that we can go back and protest and basically demand change from our government. The problem is... Unfortunately, that didn't really work for eight years of Obama, and obviously every time we try and fight back under the last four years of Trump, you know, we keep getting pushback or we keep getting, you know, called bad names by the Democratic Party. So, you know, it's just like this never-ending struggle, but that's the point of politics, unfortunately. You know, we've had guests on the show prior that are so convinced we're going to be at a civil war and they're so convinced that, you know, oh, we got to win this fight by marching in the streets. And it's like, no, you got to do more than that. You've got to sit down with people. You need to negotiate. You need to, like, basically make it clear that things are not going to get better by just making a settlement. As Yoda would say, uh, always in motion is the future. But at the same time, there's at least a slimmer, a glimmer, rather, of hope there um, for people such as myself. And with that, I mean, you guys talking about how... I can't wait for this whole experience to be over. Honestly, this year, between the Game of Thrones finale and, like, all the stuff that's going on, the NFL, college The Game of Thrones finale was last year. Yeah. I was going to say that, but I was just I was like, whoa. Because I remember people were complaining about that before Rise of Skywalker I'm sat in bed. Just, I'm still mad about it, though. Just just let him get his horrible setup. Uh, okay, okay, I'll yeah. let him, yeah. Because I'm still mad about it. <laughs> um, it's been a long year. I understand. Yeah, I'm still mad about it. Like, it happened last year, but this year's been so long, it feels like, oh, that shit happened too. But no, pretty much, <laughs> you look at the fact that, like, okay, I think of some monumental things happening this year. So, like, the show Supernatural is supposed to finally be ending this year, and there's, like, four episodes left, and I kind of just want the shit to be over. I just want to see what happens. Like, the NFL, if it even makes it to the end, I kind of want to see what happens. With this whole situation, at least from from my standpoint, because I work in Santa Monica and a couple people I work with are massive Trump supporters, and Santa Monica is like huge Trump, but they're like they're also living in absolute poverty in some places because they can't afford twelve hundred a month for rent. But they look down on everybody from 
every other city, which is interesting to me. You look at just the average person who is, oh, we're going to all go vote for Trump. And then you look at people who are like, well, Biden's racist and he's horrible. Like, do you honestly just look back and ask yourself, would it have been better if, like, the minds are right? <laughs> are you fucking serious? I'm dead ass here. What? What? <laughs> Right, and like the world had actually ended yeah. in like 2012. Like real shit. Like, can we just be honest here? Like, you know what? If I knew this, bro. Like, if we knew coming down the pipe, don't worry. I have serious questions. So, hold on. So, what you're trying to tell me is, is that uh, on December 21st, 2012, both the day that uh, the Mayan calendar was supposed to end, also my 18th birthday, FYI, uh, everything's just gone downhill ever since. Eh. I mean, you could make an argument there. I wouldn't say that the Mayans called it. <laughs> if you knew what was you know, coming this year, would you be like, you know what? It all ended in 2012. Hold That's on, whatever. Hold on. I think it's an unpopular opinion, and, and I stated my piece with sort of an efficacy of, you know, us as humans really need to learn how to roll with the punches. And, and as much as Trump has done horrible for this country and as much as it's in our power to elect someone better – I, I pose the hypothetical question of what if this election doesn't turn out in your favor, okay? And that could be whether you're Democrat and wanting a Democratic candidate or Republican and wanting a Republican candidate. What then? Are you going to fucking cry in the fetal position like people in 2016 did because they thought that their rights were being taken away? And, eh, you know, big gray area, you know, granted, but <laughs> – I posed the question last night to our panel of guests of what does it mean to be a minority and a conservative, whether you're a black, Hispanic, Asian, conservative, Republican, what does it mean to be that? And we got a response saying that they are, quote unquote, grifters. Now, I'm certainly not the PC police when I happen to speak on any kind of matters, but it's it's definitely a response I didn't expect, but I do pose the question, what about those people? Do we just invalidate those opinions because they happen to not represent the group that we've expected to represent or or what? Uh, Kenny, that's your cue. <laughs> no, nah, I thought, thought Mancini was going to jump in. That's why. Uh, well, I, I, I already, heard it last night. I know. I think because the civil unrest is real, apparently. I think it's it's kind of like it's kind of a contradiction. I mean, first of all, I mean, just even considering yourself a minority is like you're already accepting that you're at a disadvantage. So then, if you're a minority, then how can you? I don't know. Like lean right. You if you're leaning right, you already don't see yourself as a minority. So. You already have a complex relationship with your heritage and race right. and family, probably. Oh yeah, right. And, and I and I posed the the argument to that of being if if you want to envelop this this textbook republicanism, this textbook conservatism of branding yourself as an American and by and large adopting republican policies, you would very much want to do that in order to escape the identity that you essentially left i.e. being the previous country. So maybe that's why um, I say that 
as a as an example of me having working with a uh, a 65 plus year old gentleman who's from Honduras who is a very vehement conservative Republican. And the other thing that I'll add yeah. to that too, just on on that point is, but I, at the same time, I also know a lot of people who are very you know religious, regardless of the religion, they tend to lean more right. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though they might disagree with the right on you know certain number of things, right? Whatever. I mean, even if you've seen the show Raimi, for instance, when he goes back to Egypt, and like he's talking to his cousins from Egypt, and they're like, they get into this conversation about Trump, and it's like he's like, he's like, I don't blame Trump for banning the Muslims. Like Trump's a, at least Trump's actually a real man. Like he's trying to protect his people. Like, he's trying to do what he thinks is best for his country. Like, I respect that. At least he actually has nuts, unlike your last, you know, whatever many presidents. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying I agree with that, but that's just sort of an enlightening kind of way that other people see Trump who who follow they that. See, they see him as a very... Well, I, I want to also say one of one because I, I think a lot of people yeah. sympathize with his policies in voting in their best interests. OK, so when people vote, they are voting with their hearts, with their minds, what they want to see. OK, and as much as social media likes to tout, you know, think of the person who can't vote. Think of the person who doesn't have any rights. Think of illegals. Think of women. Think of minorities. It's like people are not hardwired to do that, unfortunately. And should there be a bigger humanitarian shift in the world? Absolutely. Okay. Taking care of your fellow man is fucking society's bread and butter. Ever since we're going to Mesopot- need that in the oncoming yeah. climate crisis for sure. Ever since Mesopotamia became a city way back when. Yeah, there does need to be a shift. But at the at the current moment where everyone wants to feel like you know they're the most important person in the room and they want politics to have to to be that backing for them as an authority presence yeah people are going to let their egos be their votes and i've seen it you've probably no doubt seen it and uh, and to sebastian's point i just want to quickly add this in as well is that that is something that is being more noticed this time around is there are a lot more African-American voters and Latin American voters, especially in areas like the South and in you know parts of the Midwest that tend to vote more conservatively, whereas if you go to more Western states, obviously like the Southwest, California, et cetera, you know, you're going to see a little bit of a change there. Um, but that's certainly something that I know pollsters are noticing now during this election more so than four years ago. The only other thing I would just say to all that is I think that's also why it is important to vote, right? Because mm-hmm. I think if, when you are in the 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 thick of it, the the weeds of it, it's easy to fall into like a red and blue filter. But the reality is, you know, most people probably fall in the middle or on one side on one thing and the other side on another thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why it is important to vote because – you know, otherwise you just get the same people falling in the same places. So we need the average folk to kind of mix it up and throw in a few left turns. When it comes to the black vote and people trying to bully black people into voting for the lesser two evils when evil is evil, they're totally disregarding why 
those people don't really want to vote for Biden or Trump. I mean, yeah, there are black people who will vote for Biden and who will vote for Trump just for the sake of numbers and like Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne came out for him just recently. Yeah, 50 says that he do it for tax purposes. But let's be honest, it's a lot of rich black folks. There's a lot of people in general. I think the an average rich person will vote for Trump because of the tax codes. The average yep. regular person is just a racist or some or, kind of asshole or, who just wants to vote for Trump and they don't like Biden. Or they're still holding on to this textbook conservatism of, you know, slashing the spending, closing the borders, this this meritocracy of earning what you work for, which obviously is not what is going on in America right now, unfortunately. And I still hold by my statement of that's a pretty effective way to run it if it was run well and it's not run well. So people holding on to this belief that Trump is the, you know, the epitome of that because it it looks really good on paper, but in practice, eh, you know, uh, deficits kind of shitty, economy's kind of <laughs> shitty, pandemic, That's yeah, it's still a pandemic outside. Maybe those are the uh, the quote unquote racist average Americans. I don't know, but again, I live in California. We're primarily a blue state, so. And that's the thing we live. We're only really a blue state because our major cities with our biggest populace is blue. There's yep. some sundown towns and some very <laughs> towns down California. Go up north. Like I avoid Bakersfield for a reason. I don't even like <laughs> Bakersfield. It brings negative energy my way. Fresno too. And there's a bunch of spots. Dude, all you gotta go, you just all you gotta do is reach Santa Clarita, and you're basically there. Like Bro, you're already in in the heart of Torrance. Exactly. I could go to South Torrance right now. Torrance is like right down the street from Hawthorne. Certain parts of Torrance I don't want to be in during the day or at night. And especially if you go up into like the hills where all the golf courses are, I really don't want to be over there. Oh, we got sheriff's deputies up here that are doing the black power sign to uh, all the fucking Nazis that live out here that support Trump. So it's – trust me, it's it's out there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it's like it permeates out the entire city. So I feel like we have to understand why people aren't voting, but we also have to understand, okay, if someone – if I'm voting for you and my vote, I'm supposed to get something back, and you keep telling me through some form of benign neglect – that you're going to do something for me, but after the fact, uh, I, you, I give you a cheeseburger today and you'll pay me tomorrow and tomorrow never comes, you realize that you're pissing off someone to the point of where now they're just 100% against you. With the Trump situation, if you look at the stock market and you look at certain people who already had investments and certain people who are rich and financially set up and have information, uh, they're doing great under Trump. Oh. Oh yeah, because it's it doesn't take it doesn't take much to put a fucking piece of duct tape over the print money button and just save exactly. the economy for a re-election. Uh, we hey had you, a, Bezos. Easy button. Well, hey, we had a uh, let's just say we had a previous guest who um, was oh, a very this was a fun one. Was a real Jordan Belfort about it, and oh, he. Yeah, you know, did did he make a killing? No, I want to say that he lost about seventy percent of his initial investment, and that mm-hmm. is. Ugh. That are these are the stories that you don't hear on Robin Hood and R slash Wall Street bets because then they'd get their asses kicked in the comments. Yeah, no, nobody wants to admit that they're that they lost money, but the not. people who have lost money have lost big time. Like whole fortunes. 
Oh, yeah, no, and it's hysterical when they're just complete, utter toolboxes uh, in real life. Let's just take Trump off the table. Realistically, and I can only speak from the perspective of a black person, but under Trump, under Obama, more black people actually were murdered, like, under Obama, and he had the Justice Department and did nothing about it. He signed the Blue, the Blue Lives Matter Act and all that was under Obama. So if I'm just basing it off the policy and things that are being done, I would prefer an open racist versus someone who's an asshole who's on some Homelander type shit and is really just plotting against all of us. Like that that's what it feels like. And if you look at it, someone like Biden from a certain perspective, they see his dishonesty and it's the same problem that the Democratic Party has had for years when they've just leaned on this, okay, we're just universally going to accept the fact that the Republicans are the bad guys and you have to vote for us. But then they sabotage their own party from the inside. Like they did more damage than whatever you could say the Tea Party did to their own party. Like right. cutting Bernie out pissed yeah. off most of the young people in this country. It's why I'm not a Democrat anymore, even though at this point the Democratic Party is basically from now on, and it's not even from now on, it's since, uh, you know, Bernie ran four years ago, the Democratic Party is going to have to be the place where progressives roost, and that's going to have to be where they enact any kind of change, and we're lucky to have the squad, we're lucky to have AOC, we're still lucky to have Bernie, hell, but the median age of Democratic congressional members is 70, whereas the median age of Republicans in the House is 50. So you have an aging party that is so disconnected from what your average person wants. And, you know, forget leftists and activists and progressives, et cetera. You know, they're just so disconnected from everything. And they're still so scared of the whole idea of having political power, something that they really have never had since before Ronald Reagan was president. They're they're just terrified. They were terrified in 2009, and they're going to be that way if Biden wins. And that's why, at this point, my number one concern just has to do with COVID. You know, ultimately, this election is probably going to be decided based on, well, Trump's it's Trump's fault for COVID, period. Kick him out. You know, and that historically... That's been the case every time we've been hit by some kind of disaster, whether it's been a recession or a depression. You know, Herbert Hoover, he was a one-term president. We put FDR in office. And so not to say that Biden is going to be FDR. I, they were saying that about Obama, and he pretty much bungled it. That's why one of his nicknames is the Obungler. I kind of just see that happening with Biden. But you know what? Right about now, COVID is my number one worry. And the fact that Trump's basically given up and he never really even had it under control in the first place, plus he just never wanted to address it in the first place. It's kind of like, you know what? All right, you're you're sleeping on the job. Get out. You know, yeah, Biden's older and, you know, is literally one foot in the grave. But, you know, he at least knows how to pass legislation, whereas, Trump, you know, Donald Trump doesn't know how to spell legislation. So I believe it. And if you look at Kamala Harris, ugh, again, as someone who's from Oakland, East Oakland. And Oakland correspondent, Kenny Berry. What's the weather like, Kenny? Eh, kind of gloomy. 
Still on fire. Still looks like fire. <laughs> like some of those fire pictures. Low key, some of those fire pictures in Oakland Bear. I was like, these are like they're gonna be some SoundCloud rappers who have the dopest artwork for their albums now because of these damn fires. And I was like, that's probably the only good thing that came from that. It's like just oh shit, it's all red. I don't even need to change the tent. But the fact that she claims Oakland, but she there's a racial aspect to her that's totally fake. And then there's the oh yeah, you just look at her actual policy. She's a horrible. She's essentially just a darker skinned Hillary to a lot of people, in particular black people, because she the whole Oscar Grant case is getting reopened because of how bad she botched it. Now she didn't want to properly charge the dude who killed him. How she purposely kept people in prison after their sentences were over. Um, just to fight fires for all those rich people's houses that went up in flames as if mm-hmm. honestly I give a shit you look at the fact of just her whole time in politics she has been literally one of the dirtiest players in the game but when she first and I actually voted for her I admit it like because I was like okay cool Same. but the person before the incumbent wasn't that great so I was like alright she might make some change nope and on top of that she ran as an Indian woman she decided to say, "Oh, I'm black, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm an AKA and all that other shit." And I'm like, most black people aren't in Greek organizations, so that really means nothing to most I people. Gonna, I Greek was gonna say, her saying that she was an AKA—that's like what, fucking, okay. like a percentage of the population because because of the exclusivity and the fact that they're even more exclusive than how you say um, non-black Greek letter organizations. I don't know. It's like, who cares? That, exactly. Like, what does that yeah. have to do with you being a president? I don't give a shit what your fraternity is. I care about your policy. And her jacket is very bad. It's almost <laughs> like, like... And then her wearing the Tims, and I'm like, fam. She needs a Kleenex. She always sounds like she's got a, a, a stuffy nose or a drippy nose, and, like, she's about to cry, and it's like or Kamala. Jackal, or Evil Cat, because when she said... Like, a black journalist asked her straight up, like, what would you, what part of your plan would, what would you do to specifically help black people? And she didn't even bring up her horrendous record with throwing a bunch of black people in jail in Oakland. Mm -hmm. Like, she didn't even, and then some of the laws, and it's not just race, like, some of the weed laws and other laws that she put in place that screwed over a lot of people to get permits or whatever, or to kind of come up financially, she's done a lot as the top cop in California to ruin things for the average person and people overlooking. So like, Oh, she's, she's a different op- option. It's ethnic. And it's like, well, it's the Obama trick just cause somebody's black or dark skin and they look like they have the complexion. Okay. Well now you, you, you minorities quote unquote, or you non-white people should flock around this person that you didn't actually, they didn't come from the soil. We didn't actually pick them. With Kamala, it's 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 a rever- it's kind of a reverse situation than it was with Barack Obama because with Marsaco Crumbo, he basically was like, I'm running on my own experience, my own, you know, my own demeanor, my own je ne sais quoi of being a politician, and running against one of the worst people in human history, Hillary Clinton. And so it was kind of like, yeah, of course he's going to win. He's younger. He's a great speaker. He, you know, he energizes people in a way that, like, no Democrat has ever energized people. I'm not even going to include Bill Clinton because he was a rapist and a triangulator, and I'm not even going to touch him with a 10-foot pole. 
with Obama, you know, he included Joe Biden. And unfortunately, the inclusion of Joe Biden on his ticket in 2008 was so basically so older white people wouldn't feel so scared about a black president. Yeah, because I got so, endorsed by Strom Thurmond and Bull right. Connor. And so fast forward to now, and it's basically the Democratic Party realizing, oh, shit, we have an image problem where we basically have nominated a bunch of people that are old and white. Uh, Joe, I, I think it would be smart if you had a person of color on the ticket. And so given that Kamala's name, you know, at least – I mean obviously we're in California. We're biased. We heard enough about Kamala in the last four years as it is, but – out of all those names, you know, whether it was Tammy Duckworth, Karen Bass, Kamala seemed to be the most reasonable given, well, she's already ran for president, which means if she already feels like she's up for it, even if she's not, which a lot of people have argued that she's not. Didn't she I don't know. I don't know if that's true because Barack Obama was in the same position she was. You know, he was a freshman senator. He'd only been in, in the U.S. Senate for four years and all of a sudden, everyone was like, oh, you're the next Kennedy. Oh, you know, and, and so, you know, it, it's just kind of like this pandering thing that the Democrats are doing. I, but also, let's face it, it's an age thing. And given Biden is so damn old and there's a raging pandemic that's killing people of his age demographic, you know, if you want to get somebody that's that enthusiastic about being in the White House, then maybe she's the right person to go with. But, you know, it's it's just a matter of kind of waiting and seeing. So I'm just wondering what happened to the, the bit about the show that you were supposed to answer. Oh, no. We're, yeah, we're, I was going to say, <laughs> we have Mars on Life guests that are like, okay, so what's what's this touchdowns and tangents that Ryan and Sebastian have talked so much about? We're so that. Actually, we'll, we'll just get to that right now. So I, uh, I, got, I, got some, I got some football beef to bring up with you guys that I think will lead to a, a pretty healthy debate. So, but continue. Might as well just send you the rundown. I actually didn't think about that. I probably should have just done that. But, uh, probably. You, Producer Kenny strikes again. <laughs> Shut up, Fox. Three strikes now? First off, first off Pete, don't three really want to Three strikes, Justin You're Turner? Three strikes? <laughs> Pete's been, like, late for, like, the past two and a half months. But I let that go. Yeah. I wonder what's happened over this past two and a half months. Yeah, gee, you think? <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to start, like, before that happened. But anyway, but anyway, yeah, man, it's, we're touchdowns and tangents. Pete and I played football in high school. Had the same exact number. <laughs> Not because I, like, I, I can give the whole... It just always it. cracks me up. Every time he tells a story, it always just cracks me up where he starts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm always wondering, like, where is he going to start? Like, because I've heard this story a hundred times, but I'm always like, okay, it's where is he going to start? Every time, yeah. Because <laughs> exactly. like, you realize where things are in the scheme of things. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that happened that led us to, like, having a conversation like, yeah, we should start our own podcast. But realistically, the synergy, I guess, that we're on is like we both play football in high school, devout Raider fans, still pissed about the tuck rule. Belichick could have been the Raiders head coach, and we probably would have became, I probably would have became a Niners fan. Who knows what would happen? But the fact that we end up in college, same school together, have, I have like a vast history of college football and like Boise State. And again, his cousin, his cousin played at Boise State and is the Oregon Ducks defensive coordinator. Like, we just had so much football knowledge in common 
that like before we actually met each other and we met through Andrew, shout out to Andrew, it was kind of just like a natural fit. Like I showed up, he he was doing a podcast called Football Friday. Really, it was just two episodes of him talking about the Raiders. Shout out to Shaka, wherever you at. I came in, we started talking college football. Just he's you know trying to fill me out, see where my head was as far as sports knowledge and everything. And from that, we just both covered news and topics and we talked about it and it always kind of felt natural that same like synergy and just like common goals led us to eventually starting the podcast because i was i wasn't in school i was working my way back into school he had graduated but he was looking to kind of just do more than go to work and occasionally write some articles and all the other stuff he was doing he's like no like let's create our own thing Honestly, like, if we had, if you could go back in time and record us, like, what we were doing before we started the podcast, it should be hilarious, because we were eating hood Chinese food and just talking shit. Like, honestly, our pre-show was funnier than the show most of the time. Like, our, our conversations beforehand were, like, the dopest. The very foundation of Touchdowns and Tangents has kind of been that, like, our just natural chemistry. Right, into the next two years, three years, four Damn, years. I'm getting to that. I'm getting We're not to even that. at the past. Yeah. You know, our fucking, our fucking genesis is just like our, on like past like seventy five. I was getting to like upper hundreds. I was really just giving. Dude, up. I was I was gonna say our podcast genesis was like, hey, let's go out to eat. So I was uh, thinking about starting a podcast. Seb. Oh, okay. I was thinking about you being a co-host. Oh, okay. I mean, that's pretty much how this one started, but yeah. in, in about three years, you'll, you'll have a whole list um, of stories. Archie ar- ar- of, of dots that you connected that weren't really connected, but Wait, they kind of ar- make sense. What the fuck word did you just say? That's not that's even Archie. I was about to say, he just made up a word and tried to bullshit his way through it. Like, I know you can't <laughs> oh, bro. That's on. ridiculous. Let's just move on. Yeah, so bottom line is, you know, that's kind of where it started, and honestly, the core foundation of the show is, like, that we just roast each other mercilessly. Like, it's... Open. And we talk about football. And we talk about football. And culture. And we talk about life. And we talk with, with interesting about- people like yourselves, and journalists, and football players, and community leaders, entrepreneurs. Coaches. Essentially, what the idea is, just to bring everything full circle, is, you know, Kenny and I, we're just... We're in uh, the awkward changing stage of our lives, and we're just listening to these other football podcasts, and we're like, hey, the shit we were doing in college was actually better than this. Why don't we create our own show that's not white, that's not off base, <laughs> that's not about the host, that's not about the interview. All up in the video. But that's about the culture around football that's around the context behind the news. Like, why the fuck are we talking about football? Why are we arguing about it so much? What does Mm. it even matter? Like, and so we wanted to create that platform where we could have those real candy conversations that you might have, you know, at a barbershop, but on the air and, and whether you're a football fan, football nerd, someone who just casually strolls in the living room when the game is on and sits down or, you know, someone who just, you know, will check a sports page every now and then. You feel included. You feel like, huh, this is sports talk that I can actually understand that's not talking over me. You know, so so really it's just about balancing the week's news, which I say is the touchdowns, along with, you know, real-life tangents that's happening with us 
you know, being men, overweight men living in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> no, too overweight. Yeah. Dude. Like, damn, are you trying to get a sitcom? <laughs> Ramblings <laughs> and Rundowns featuring Mario <laughs> <Marino laughs> and Lee yeah. Berry. You guys are pizza place in a podcast? All right, cool. <laughs> I was gonna say, man, our our podcast is way whitewashed in comparison, but you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 like, yeah, that 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 happens. But our biggest thing was we were, if we're representations, and through college, all our professors kept saying, you know, you guys are gonna save the world, and you guys are gonna be the future of media. Okay, if we are that. And we can't depend on y'all for a leg up or a head up because you still see us as competition because you still have an old mindset that we can't carry into the next 30 years of our lives because it may not necessarily not work a little bit, but (laughs) a little bit, but you felt this way at one point and you still kind of do. I'm just talking about that. I don't like old people. I I agree with that. But I'm, I'm, I'm not saying all this is concrete. Like, down to the letter, but I'm uh, saying uh, it fits uh, in. The point I, mean, I don't know in. what you're saying. Continue. I mean, fine. The point was I was saying, <laughs> shut up. The point was that I'm saying is like we had like a vision and goal for what we wanted, and we also were looking at the terrain in front of us, and it's like, okay, there's a bunch of tools. Is Kenny of- mansplaining me right now? No, not oh, <laughs> 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 You regurgitating what I just said? Nah, <laughs> I was giving like. Sound, it sounds like every communications course at CSUN. I was giving a layered answer that he didn't touch on. How dare you accuse me of mansplaining? Go ahead. Unbelievable. Me mansplaining? No. I'm kind of offended. I feel gaslit right now. How dare you? Gaslit. But no. Because we have fire taste. Probably just the indigestion. No, actually, the smoothies I've been drinking have been cleaning that up. And also, I have about 10 ounces of fucking ginger over there in that bottle. I was going to say weird flex to say you're on a cleanse, but all right. <laughs> I'm cleansing this my life. This is his lifestyle now. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's, a, oh it's a lifestyle. Okay. He's been on a juice kick for like a month now. And, yeah, oh. I'm not going to lie. This last week, two weeks last ago week, was the roughest. This week, I just was fucking AKA, he lost his chip two weeks ago. What? It was an alcohol reference. Never mind. That, it was an AA reference. I know, and I was like, that got dark. That got real dark, bro. <laughs> Alcoholism isn't funny. Unless you're like a, a, a Falcons fan, but they won, they won tonight. There's obesity, but we joke about it every week. You can be funny. Like I said, if I lose, if I lose 100 pounds, I lose like, let's say 200 pounds. I can't be the same type of asshole that I am with weight on me. Literally, I don't think I you can. See, and that joke's not funny if I'm fit. Sometimes you gotta have a little bit of imperfection in your life. Like, all right, okay. so red scene and get to the football content, which, which is kind of like yeah. Something I wanted to ask of you guys because it's it's been an ongoing uh, an ongoing discussion in my own house and. Uh, just kind of asking around with friends. Um, I know it's something that uh, Thomas Gallegos, when he first came on the show, he talked a little bit about it. I'm just saying. Football. He said he asked his friends. He never asked us, but go ahead. You don't hear the group chat. No I was going to ask my friends right now on our on our crossover episode, so there you go. It, it, it's called Momentum. Anyway, uh, with this being life in the year of COVID and with all the lockdowns, with everything that has gone on 
you know, obviously football has, you know, I don't know what's kind of the best word to describe it. It's clusterfuck been resuscitated to keep on going through the pandemic. And I guess in getting to cover football, what have you guys experienced in terms of issues or problems or just, you know, I don't know, I guess you could call it coping with the fact that football is very different now under COVID than it may have been before. I guess, have you guys experienced any kind of, you know, roadblocks of any kind or well, has it sort of been, well, first and foremost, you know, we kind of had a plan like this year, we were really going to try to do a lot of like Tell on coverage on site things. And, right. Um, it was going to be lit. And so obviously with, with no fans, it makes it harder to have events. It makes it harder to travel um, makes it harder to get in the press box, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, right out the get go, when the, the the pandemic happened, it already derailed our plans to go to the draft, to go to the to possibly go to the combine, and but for sure go to the draft. We were for sure going to go to the draft, even if we were just we're going to go there, just us. You know, we were going to go to I Vegas have, for the draft. The bread was already set aside, and so that didn't end up happening. The combine was already 50 50 but the pandemic definitely didn't help that and then the xfl which the xfl we were in the middle of covering and that literally got stopped overnight so that was a roadblock and then you know if you follow the show you know that you know we kind of go on a track of high school football occasionally from time to time and we've still somewhat have done that but it's been hey is high school football even going to exist more so than like, hey, coach, how are you doing type of thing. So that's right. kind of changed the trajectory of things. In addition to that, I mean, it's also been harder to like really, really know like what what everything's going to look like because, well, like, sure, you know, if football stops tomorrow. Kenny and I can definitely talk for two hours and pull an episode out of our ass or, you know, talk to different interesting people around different interesting topics. Mm-hmm. Point being, like, yeah, the show will still go on, but it's hard to have, like, a roadmap when you don't know the the foundation of what you cover, what it's going to look like. Again, back to the live events, like, that USC-UCLA tailgate, oh, like, the first one was dope. This one, shit was going to be outrageous. The live remotes, we got a lot of momentum, and I think it's kind of gone to different areas of our lives. Like, we also, like, you got to remember, when this happened... Then shortly after with George Floyd and then the lockdowns, the lockdowns changed the whole energy of the city. Like it yeah. felt like seeing cars, cop cars and big ass military jeeps going down my street late at night. I'm like, what, what the fuck? Where am I fucking living at right now? Like this isn't the Bolshevik re- revolution. Like what, what are we doing? What is this Iraq? This happens entirely too often. Again, Stuart Griffin, you need to start, like, voice acting and pay for it. Like, real shit. <laughs> just let me get 10% of the cut as your manager. I'll pitch you as, like, the one dude who just goes to, like, black parties and with musicians and you just do voiceovers. You and David Blaine could just... But, just get uh, oh but anyway. Yeah, like, the, it's kind of just the hard part because you have to, like, adjust your life as you're trying to adjust your career. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly, like, fine-tuning to make sure things line up. But also, like, you're in a pandemic and the world's on fire. Yeah, so I think with anything, it's just, like, 
it's not in a vacuum, and that, that's kind of what this show is. Is like, yeah, we do a football show, but like we actually have like regular lives too, and we're actually honest about that. We're not trying to put out a persona per se. You know, like we're not trying to be something that we're not. We're we're two people here trying to make it in Los Angeles, and we host a football show, and we have cool friends. Like that's what the root of it is. So the good thing about it has been, you know, it is a lot of uncharted territory, and it is like a good news peg to like talk to players and talk to journalists. Like, hey, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? Like, how are you feeling? Like. You know, and that's one of our, our our things that we are planning coming up, you know, touching base with a lot of people, a lot of the rookies that we kind of, you know, talk to at the Senior Bowl and the All-Star Games. Just, you know, whether or not they're on a roster or whatever, you know, just check in on them, see how they're doing. Like, you know, are you still trying to make it? Like, how's that going during the pandemic? Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be more of that. And even, you know, once NFL wraps up, it's going to be fucking weird because high school is going to be starting right when college and NFL wrap up. So, I mean, that's going to give us a good opportunity to, you know, really follow high school a little bit more even and and see what that's going to be like, playing football in the spring in full pads. Like, it's going to be weird. But, you know, mm. we'll we'll be here with, with takes and, and tangents about it. Yep, and cultural context. It's like when you bring in new people to the, to what we're doing – and we're trying to teach them, and we're also, like, learning and growing in our own ways, and then we're seeing how we can help them. It also feels good because it's like it's like we're passing on whatever we have to somebody else. Um, it's like it, we don't it, know how we're, it's going to help them in life, but, like, the fact that they show up dedicated every week to this, mm-hmm. like, all the respect in the I, world. I think at, at a time when a lot of people are, are looking for opportunity and trying to figure out what opportunity looks like, you know, with so much stuff uncertain, I think it's a real blessing to be able to give people an opportunity, you know, regardless of what they make of it or regardless of, you know, whatever, like just being able to, to have something and extend that to somebody else, like mm-hmm. it, it makes it worth it. Warm the spirit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's that's excellent, and I think it's <laughs> it's certainly fascinating to see how you guys have progressed, and and really just how everyone has been able to kind of push through, even with you know whatever setbacks that COVID has provided. Um, now. Something that I am curious to get your both your guys' thoughts on is the argument from, and this is an argument that I've heard many a time, uh, maybe even one too many times in my own house, about having football go on in the middle of a pandemic and the idea that if you kind of look at the history of the United States, at least basically the last hundred years or so when we've had national sports, you know, Typically, the idea has been, well, you know, this is kind of the reward of a fully functioning society. You know, this is basically a, a form of entertainment during a time when entertainment was blossoming. And obviously now you've got 
you know, all the production companies are partially closed down. Um, and so you don't have as many movies coming out, at least, you know, you don't have really any theatrical releases. Yeah. And then on the flip side with football and really just with all sports in general, uh, Dodgers, Dodgers, you know, what do you, what do you guys take of the idea that there shouldn't be uh, there shouldn't be any games of any kind right now because what about our society looks functional given both the pandemic and also the election and having a fucking Cheeto in the White House? I don't disagree. I mean, I think you brought up a point. Like, is our society really functioning right now? But at the same time, it's like and and Dana White said this at a conference that I went to. But you know, he was like. You know, uh, people really learned from the UFC. Like, you know, when they had that, they said, we're not shutting down. Then they had that first fight. Somebody tested positive, And, you know, they got a lot of shit for it because they didn't shut the event down. They just, you know, isolated that one fighter and the show went on. But that kind of showed the sports world that, hey, you can have a positive test and the show can still go on, you know. Maybe not the same, but whatever the product that you're gonna put out is still gonna excite people and it's still gonna mean something to people. And you know, even some of the guests that we've had on the show, and and you know, we, we're serious about it. We're honest. Like, yeah, we don't know what's gonna happen, but we're gonna laugh and joke and enjoy the fact that we do have football and it is kind of trash. Like trash of like but it's fact, some sense of normalcy exactly right you look at the fact that i was first from saying like how can you even have high school football how can you justify like we still don't know all the covid cases but you also got to remember sports is a feeder system like sports is it's a chain reaction it's, it's if you stop sports you stop a lot of money you stop trillions of dollars and sorry, they're just not doing that. That's why Vince McMahon didn't stop WWE, even though he's botched a lot of cases and, you know, fined or fired some people, released some people during the pandemic, didn't want to pay people. Like, it's wild. I'm lucky enough that I'm still employed, but thankfully my skill set, I can work anywhere. I can take my skills anywhere, but not everybody has that luxury because they mm. weren't, you know, banking or shooting the dice on rolling snake eyes this whole year. Like most people don't wake up planning. To, okay. It's going to be an abject failure of a year. You fucking idiots going to buy up all the toilet paper. Um, <laughs> still mad about that. Like there's it's, a it's coming. It's coming back, baby. It's coming back in the store, bro. And like no toilet paper. Just think about that. Like, so there's no toilet paper in the store and y'all still making ice cream and cheese and shit. Like why? What, what's the point? But shout out to plumbers because I know they're making a grip. And also, uh, we should honestly, and I might do this with my next check. We should just rent out um, an AMC theater for a hundred dollars and just do a podcast in that bitch wow. and invite people for the two hundredth episode. That'd be cool. Because yeah, it's only a hundred bucks to rent that shit. And as someone who worked in a movie theater, this is my fucking universal karma coming back. I can buy out a movie theater. Wait, you can really well, buy them. And I think ninety nine bucks, bro. We could do that shit. Two. This is episode one ninety eight. Episode two hundred is eh, like we can literally hit up AMC and be like, "Hey, we're so out the biggest theater. theater you got. And we're gonna social <laughs> oh, distance people, and we're probably gonna smoke." Wait, that can shit you in. not put a movie on? Shit. Or you have to have a movie on? Well, well, that was gonna be my next point, which is, wait a minute, Kenny. But then you got the film industry suffering. 
and the theater industry suffering. So, you know, you might wind up helping the theater industry, but at the same time, at a movie theater for a hundred dollars because that's some dope shit, and we're never gonna get that chance again. You, I could see I'm you do that doing shit. that for some for the fuck of it. I could see you just going in there and watch, watching Black Panther with just yourself in the middle theater with two with two things of, of popcorn. Why would I have two things of popcorn? That was racist. Why would you pick Black Panther? You know, like all the movies that I love, and you pick Black Panther. That movie's movie. timeless. You love that movie. You I love that movie, Kenny. What are you talking what about? Hey, Boys in the Hood. Is no, that any less racist? You think you know that's right, man. That's way less racist. No, that's less racist. Because Ricky was a movie. You you reference Killmonger every week. Holy shit. It's not my fault that Kenny Killmonger is my mom. By the way, should I change my my Twitter? Should I cite Queen of Slim, the movie you fucking hate? No, but actually, I would be okay with I would be okay with reading out the theater and getting people in there. Breakfast we Club? I fucking love the Breakfast Club. <laughs> now, I'll fucking fight you right now. I love oh, the dude, Breakfast Club. Oh, dude, I remember being in Club. Movie, you haven't seen the But there's no black people in it. Uh, I, remember in, I remember being in such a fucking argument with, with someone where it was like, I, I put on Breakfast Club for them, and they were like, oh, this is boring. It's all character development. I'm like, it, it's the fucking movie. And it was just... <laughs> 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 I'm a guy know. that can't watch a movie pre HD. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm what? Yeah, I can. I'm sorry. I hate movies. Wow. Okay. okay. Izzy, we gotta we gotta find that, out. That's the Generation Z over there. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't go that far. Like, how do you I hate like movies on Netflix? I still like some plot. Okay. I purposely fell asleep in the Avengers. What? Hold on. All right, well, yeah. I, I can I can understand that because I'm Which a little Avengers, bit though? I'm a little bit older. I I grew up reading comic <laughs> books and stuff, so I have a little bit more of a sentimental value with all these Marvel and and DC uh, movies being made. And then when they fuck up, I'm really pissed off. But like, so, home hurt me. But some of these people, like some younger crowds now, they don't. Ha- these comic books are just what's on the big screen right now, so it's not as much of a sentimental uh, attachment. To Which is those. weird because they're actually like uh, apparently like football cards are making a comeback really yeah they're making a huge comeback but i was just going to make the point about you know you mentioned about football and this you know the need to make money you know that's also the same issue with the film industry and you know obviously all the different studios right i mean all the studios are finding ways of still making money and also shooting you know for 20 dollars for six fucking months oh fam anyways go ahead see he has some hatred in his heart yeah full soundtrack you know at, at this rate, we're, we're looking Staten at... Island was actually a good movie. It was worth six ninety nine. It was about his life. It was a good movie. It was about um, Pete Davidson's life. And Bill Burr was... Oh, okay. Like what he thought his life would be if he didn't get into comedy. No, like his dad died in 9-11 in the towers. And, like, he was trying to figure his shit out and become a good person. But in this case, he, like, becomes a firefighter like his dad. It's actually a pretty good premise, Judd Apatow, but I just didn't feel like watching it because I'm like, whatever. It's actually a pretty good movie. I honestly recommend it. It's really, really good. It's funny, too. I mean, the movie starts with the Kid Cudi song. Usually, if a movie starts with the Kid Cudi song, I'm in. <laughs> Kid Cudi is fucking great. It's a staple. Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, his last album went so hot. Uh, what was it? Speeding Bullet to Heaven or whatever the fuck? Oh, we don't count oh, that. Yeah. We only yeah. count, like, the first three I'm not the biggest Anthony Fantano fan, but I will say that his uh, decimation of that album was incredible. 
So I make yeah, like flight jokes all the time. Like there was, mm-hmm. we literally in the in the newsroom together, me, Pete, Vince, Andrew, a couple other people were literally coming up with fucking sports headlines only using Kid Cudi titles and albums. Hmm. That shit was fun. Yeah, it was petty. Like, it got dark. You know the I kind of idea I was getting at is you know, is it just simply because it's more accessible for people given that they're already at home? You know, there's already money to be made by people being at home rather than, you know, the myriad of possibilities if you put a movie on streaming and it doesn't make as much if you release it theatrically. Do you think that's why football is doing or and just sports in general are doing relatively better than the film industry or? Well, the NBA was down a lot. Yeah. And part of that was they had, you know, day games. They had games all day long. Which I actually thought was dope because I could just have it on the background all day long. But, you know, apparently not a lot of other people do because they were down like 40 percent um, in a lot of areas. Uh, now, to football, football is a little bit, you know, more conservative. It's a little bit, you know, more. I don't, I don't know what to say. It embodies more American ideology. You know, it's essentially a game of real estate and resources really but yeah i I don't know i just i just think if if the games weren't going on here they would be going on somewhere else because you know to again to bring up dan white but he's pretty much was like yeah you know i don't foresee myself having a ufc event in the u.s except for at my new facility or at the facility in abu dhabi because the facility in Abu Dhabi is so far, far and beyond anything else here. And I don't have to go through all the hoops and shit that I have to go through here, especially with COVID. To Kenny's point, it's a money-making thing, yes, and there's a cultural element to it. So it just depends on which side of the spectrum you fall on. And people, the athletes, like, this is their life mission. Yeah. Like, it's easy for us to say, well, fuck it, I'll just go get a job, a little side job, and then write on the side. Okay, no one's taking away your ability to write. Okay, I'm a first-round pick, and I'm scheduled to be like, a top pick, probably. I'm supposed to just drive Lyft for the next two years? Well, we rich homie Juan in this bitch? Like, <laughs> Roscoe Dash? Oh, yeah, Roscoe Dash. I'm supposed to pull a Roscoe Dash in this bitch? I'm supposed to just go work at a Waffle House? While, like, I'm a fucking athletic titan who's lived his whole life for this one thing and you want me to give it up? That's not fair. And also, like, people have the right to go out on their own sword. That's, like, a fundamental thing. And in this country, yeah, like, people have a right to go out the way they want to go out. And if enough people get together and say, yeah, we're we're okay with this, it's going to happen no matter what you want. You only really need... Like 10 to 20% of a population to decide some shit ain't going to happen. And right. the rest of the society will eventually just follow suit over time because it's a consistent amount, even if it's a small amount. Now, the NFL is a billion, trillion dollar thing. Like, there's so much market. There's so much money that has already, like, been counted. And, like, there's too much money on the line for us not to do this. Like, do you? It's like if you got a black MX card, you charge like a million dollars. Well, the other thing is, 
It has to come due. The bill will come due no matter what we say. Well, when we talk about football losing money, you're talking about the in-person part of it, but there's so much more even on the back end. You know, hundreds of million dollars are exchanged between ad markets, you know, whether you're talking about the ESPNs, the Fox, the CBSs, and also the major, you know, players, the the Procter & Gambles, the, you know, everybody advertises on that those platforms. So there's a lot of money there, yes, and the other thing, the other industry I would say that I've felt the most pain through the pandemic is music. I feel like a lot of artists, like especially at the start of the pandemic, I feel like a lot of stuff got pushed back in hopes of like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to push this back and coincide it with my tour, my tour announcement. But, you know, as things got grimmer and later in the year, it was like, oh, well, yeah, I'm not having a tour this year. So I got to drop this album in Q3. Cause well we need to make some money um, before the end of the year, but and so now we're starting to see more music come out. But like in March, May, April, like I felt like nothing was coming out. And Rosenberg mm. fired from Def Jam, so think about all those artists that got screwed and left on the vine. So a lot of people just have to are starting to having to figure it out on their own. Like we like humans need a reason to live. They'll find one. Sports is that great um, equalizer that we can all kind of rally around, whether you played soccer or baseball or hockey, whatever. By the way, nobody, like, we totally ignored the Stanley Cup this year. I think the, the Dallas team won. Dallas, the, the Dallas Stars. Well, the Kings and the Ducks were both out. And now between the Kings, the Ducks, and the Sharks, all, the Sharks all choke those, every All year. those teams have only missed the playoffs once in like 20 years. This is like the first year that all three of those teams missed the playoffs. Yeah, like the San Jose Shout out to the Vegas Knights. Well, and I think my kind of my last question to that point is, you know, I, I, I feel that one of the other things that concerns a lot of people with, you know, sports going on in the midst of COVID is the idea of privilege – and obviously, that's something that I've heard uh, being said around. It was in, uh, I believe, it, I'm going to butcher his last name, Bill uh, Plaschke from the LA Times wrote uh, wrote a column about Justin Turner and uh, the whole situation with the Dodgers and the World Series and his whole COVID situation. It, it's hard to talk about it without getting too animated, but I guess, you know, do you think that there is a sense of privilege that, oh, well, you know, it's sports. We can do it. We know we can do it. We can put our players at risk, even though we do pods or we isolate them or whatever. But depending on who you are and depending on how much money you're making, you could say, you know, isolation be damned. I'm going to go out in the field with my colleagues. You know, do you think that hurts the reputation of any of these teams where they have a player that does something like that? Or do you think it's... You know, it's just a, it's just one fuck up, and it's not indicative of the entire. Let me let me thing. let me let me ask you this: When you're talking about privilege, the one privilege that you know athletes have never really had until super duper recently, and I'm talking about probably the pandemic, is part of the catalyst of that. Is you know athletes speaking up and being more political and sharing their political reviews, like 
Like, what do you make of that? You know, do you feel like... Well, I'm all for it. I mean, that, that's that got a long storied history of being something that absolutely helps change in our country and in other countries, but... For sure, you know, not, but not at this scale to where it's like, you know, everybody's telling you to go vote. It's not just, you know, right. one or two martyrs or one or two superstars or whatever. It's, you know... The whole bench is telling you to go out and vote or has a political mm. opinion. So the reason why I ask that is just because, like, you know, we're talking about the virus, we're talking about politics, and we're talking about sports. And now it's like all three of these things are converged. And it's like you can't really separate the two. So it's like that's pretty much what the whole Dodgers thing is as well. Is like, you know, you're, you have your, your – I hate to say it, but, you know – Upper West Siders who are like, yeah, like I would do that. I'm selfish. Like, yeah, I don't care. I would celebrate with my team, blah, blah, blah. Then you have, you know, the people who are probably from lower social economic status that are like, hey, I've had somebody die from the disease. Like, I don't appreciate that ideology being pushed out there. Like, I don't appreciate him putting at jeopardy, you know, these two people with preconceived with pre-existing conditions. Mm. I just combined like three words in one. That was weird. But yeah. That was a hot pocket of vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you know, you can't talk about, you can't answer that question without really diving into the, the intricacies of it. I don't know. Sorry. Intricacies. You be trying, man. You just don't follow through at the end. You be down like the last three letters and you don't finish it out. <laughs> Cause that 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 hood me is like nah shut up. I feel it. It's imposter syndrome. <laughs> Gotta work through it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like I was gonna save it for college football, but Trevor Lawrence, arguably the top player in the draft, has COVID nineteen. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. Dabo Sweeney's like at Clemson. Uh, yeah, at Clemson, South Carolina, the main school that was like wanted to play, and they're undefeated, and they beat Georgia Tech by like seventy three to seven, which was ridiculous. And they had a bunch of racist fallouts and and COVID cases, and, yeah. right? And they're like, hey, we're gonna play the ACC. Like shit, I'm gonna just break down the college football news to tie this in. So, college football, Paul, Wisconsin versus Nebraska got canceled. I mean, I guess Nebraska just didn't want to get the shit pushed in for a second consecutive week because they got killed by Ohio State. Nebraska, I guess they may have had a couple tests, but really it was Wisconsin. That's why the Wisconsin game got canceled is because their head coach, Paul Christ, got COVID. Their starting quarterback, who went like 21 for 22, their freshman QB, in his first game, Went 21 for 22 and a bunch of yards and a bunch of touchdowns. He got COVID. Then the backup got COVID. Then the other, the third string guy got COVID. And then they're down to a four sheet walk on who I'm assuming probably got COVID too. And then they had a huge outbreak in Wisconsin. So that's done. No game. And you right. have to sit out three weeks in the big, to- in the big 10 based off of you get COVID. You're out three weeks. So that changes people's entire seasons. And Penn State, who got upset by Indiana, they uh they lost in overtime. Um, they are playing Ohio State this week, which is arguably the best team in the country. 
and all these schools have had outbreaks. So the schools that started playing, the Mountain West is back playing, the Pac-12 is going to come in in November, and you look at the SEC and the ACC, if a guy who was a Heisman Trophy candidate and arguably the next face of the league for the next 20 years, 15 years, whatever, Trevor Lawrence was a junior, he's like the cash cow. And now if he's done, Clemson has to turn to their backup QB, who ironically was like, I think the top quarterback in the nation coming out of high school, and he beat Bryce Young, who was like the second-ranked quarterback in the nation out of high school, both from California. California is the one state where kids aren't even playing football yet. Other states are already ahead of them. All this is coming out to where, okay, all these schools say they want to play, but kids and coaches keep getting it. And some kids have had to miss the whole year because they found out they got a fucking heart condition from COVID. So to answer your question, people don't care. Sports are going to happen and they don't care. The the New York Giants, their offensive line, every everybody except four offensive linemen got COVID for the New York Giants. And they already suck. Like, if you saw our IG post of Seth Rollins curb stomping Daniel Jones' head into the ground when really it was Daniel Jones running like an 80-yard run, but he forgot that he was athletic, so he just started fucking flailing with his arms like a weirdo when he fell. Like, nowhere. He just fell on his own. Like, he was There's literally... There's a sniper on the roof! That's <laughs> a Randy Orton RKO thing. Like, oh, yeah, he had a bunch of stuff behind him. But all that's happening, all this is going on, this affects. I talked to a Heisman voter um, a while we back. On that go- gopher. That yeah. Tripped on. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. But yeah, so I talked to a Heisman voter, and I'm like, "Are you guys? Can you even have the Heisman if the season gets canceled? If you know all these people get COVID, all these Heisman? Like, yeah, there will always be a Heisman ceremony. Think about that. There will always be a Heisman ceremony, no matter what happens. No matter if there's a Brad Banks. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You got to talk to me about Brad Banks right now. You always bring up Brad Banks. Like, I care about Brad Banks. He's probably a nice guy. I don't remember his playing career at Iowa, bro. He's probably the last black QB to actually play at Iowa. I'm pretty sure he was. All right. So much like this year, how do we end it? <laughs> All right, what's the conclusion of the show? I, I don't know if I got an answer for that one. Uh... uh Get your best weed, uh, a little bo- <laughs> bottle of McAllen if things go well, and we shall see. Until we meet again, don't know where, don't know when. That's, that's kind of that's, the way this year's going to have to end. That's good. And on that note... So, like, you just hocked a David Bowie line. Uh, no, actually, it's it's from the end of Doctor Strangelove. Um, yeah, I knew it was one of those two. It's either Doctor Strange or David Bowie with you. Doctor Strangelove. Not Doctor Strange. There's a difference. Still, still, it's still in the same ballpark. I'm counting it. It's inbounds. All right. So with all right. So so it's like the tuck rule. You're gonna get screwed over. Just just accept it. He's like, that's how a Quaalude tastes? Oh, Oh, yeah, you were. No, Tom. (laughs) Where can the good people find you? 
at TDs underscore tangents, TDS underscore tangents on IG and Twitter. Touchdownsandtangents.com. You can find all our work. And, yeah, man, shout out to Eric and Izzy. And, honestly, I just hope that, like, um, they don't come for us for this episode. Yeah, we're probably going to and where where can the good people find you uh, individually if they want to follow uh, Pete? One more than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Maybe people want to follow you, dude. Like, nah, nah, no, this is genuine. Nah. You just because you have like 700 more followers, you want to throw that shit up in my face. Fuck you, bro. Nope. Nah. Wow, nobody said anything about that. Nah, okay. that was some petty energy you were playing with. Okay. That, that could have went either way. I was like, I see what you just did. <laughs> Yeah, you asshole. I'm uh, heard of Monster Syndrome. At Pete Certified. You can't hit me back. And he's at Ozo Grande. I might change my Twitter name to Patrick Mahomes. I'm really thinking of. <laughs> Should I change it to Patrick Mahomes? I can actually throw ambidextrously. Wow. I can throw left handed or right handed. I'm actually more accurate throwing left handed. And Sebastian, if you're still there, uh, <laughs> yeah, he hasn't been here for like 30 he minutes. Has show mute for he hasn't been here for like 30 minutes. minutes. Hey man, I, I'm of the strong. I, I'm of I'm of the probably ordered some food, dude. I'm of the strong belief where uh, if you want to play football, just fucking play it outside. Um, it, it it's always it's always the fanatics of football, and I know that I'm attacking literally half of what your fucking name is. But uh, <laughs> if you want to if you want to play football, just fucking go outside. And uh, hey, it's even COVID friendly because. You know who you're playing with. I digress. Um, I know Ryan was about to say, be like, oh, if you're still with us, give your socials or whatever. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Sebi. That's Dr. S-E-B-B-Y. Feel free to check me out on YouTube as well. Uh, it's at the handle Seabass, S-E-A-B-A-S-S, like the fish. Check out my audio archives, Shugsy's story time, uploaded every single day. Check out my music under Shugzy. That's S-C-H-U-G-Z-Y. I finally got my website up and running. Thank fucking God. So please feel free to check it out at www.sebastian, uh, as my name is spelled, the letter R, and then S-C-H-U-G. All righty. So uh, when I'm not waiting for the next book that I'm about to read to come in the mail, uh, oh, because you to, Sebastian you to live, I uh You mean to live vicariously through it? Hey, you know, hey, it's, yeah. Christopher, Christopher Hitchens is going to be mentioned in it, and it's written by his friend who loved him. So uh, there's that. Um, Get off your couch, Mancini. There's that. So you can find Get me. out of the house, man. Get some you can find me. Mancini. Before a walk. Man, <laughs> you can find me. It's okay oh to God, leave God. the study once in a while, okay? <laughs> so It's okay, Alfred. We'll take a vacation. Alfred. Oh, just wait for what I got this weekend. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Mancini Ryan. And when it comes to Twitter, you can find me at Mancini RA. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to be issuing my uh, final prediction electoral map. So we'll see how wrong I am in maybe two weeks' time. And uh, other than that, Kenny and Pete. It has been an absolute pleasure to finally get this crossover going and to let the good people of Mars on Life and Touchdowns and Tangents hear us finally do our throwdown. And, of course, as we did with all of our guests, and Kenny 
I'm giving you I'm giving you the praise and the thanks for giving us this idea uh, many moons ago. After three misses. <laughs> Kenny and Pete. <laughs> Welcome to Mars. Welcome to Mars. So where where's the weed at on Mars? I just need to know. Oh, what are your rules like? You need to go to the Gale Crater. You'll find it there. It looks like a big happy face. And like, you've seen Watchmen, you know what I'm talking about. I know. Hilarious. Thank you for listening to Mars on Life. You can find us over on Instagram and on Twitter at Mars on Life Show. Uh, in terms of listening to the show, you can find us wherever podcasts are found. Uh, that includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and Radio Public. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel. That way you can find our full catalog of episodes. Our artwork is done by Zachary Erbrick, and our intro music is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. I've been Ryan Mancini. My co-host, as always, is Sebastian Shug. And just remember, if you keep on going, you'll make it to Mars. <laughs>